Haley Jones is here to talk basketball and podcasting. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, thanking you for making us your first listen every day where we cover women's basketball six days a week, Monday through Friday. We talk all things past, present, and future. Saturday, we talk WNBA draft. So you can be sure Haley Jones's name has come up quite a bit over the course of that conversation. And it's not just me, but the entire team over at thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces on women's basketball every single month, $9 a month, $72 a year. Make sure you're supporting. And a colleague of mine there named Alex Simon came to me years ago and talked to me about, look, there's this high school player who she's not just a prospect. She's different. She's different. And that's what Haley Jones, you have been for the duration of your college career, Stanford, for those who are living under a rock, an opportunity as a one seed to play in the NCAA tournament starting this week. Haley, I'm so glad you're here. And I guess I just want to know for you, when did you first know, all right, basketball is not just something I'm good at. It's not just something I love, but this is different. This is a chance for a professional path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I really started getting into basketball in middle school. Um, I started playing on the varsity circuit in the seventh grade, and I picked up my first offer that summer to UC Santa Barbara, and then ended up being Georgia Tech and then Oregon heading into eighth grade and then kind of Stanford around that time as well. So once I started to understand the gravity of what that meant and having conversations with my parents, they were like, okay, like, you know, you, you know, let, let's, let's really lock into this. And they were always kind of like, okay, Haley, like you're pretty good. And I was always like, okay, sure. Like, you know, I'm from little Santa Cruz. Am I really that good? I don't know. And I had so many other things going on at that time. I did basketball, gymnastics, soccer, water polo. I did everything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really understand um, what those college scholarships meant. And then as I got into high school and started you know, being put on watch boards and different rankings and getting by USA basketball, I started to understand, you know, I should really lock my time into this, um, look to see how far it can take me. So it was really kind of middle school, beginning of high school is when I really started to understand that this could be something that could become my career and livelihood. And what's interesting to me is, you know, you have always had this understanding of your dual roles, your ability to play mm-hmm. ball, your ability to have a voice and what comes with that. And so I, I, I want to mention right up top, uh, sometimes I hope is just, it's must listen right away. Your podcast where you are getting to talk to not just the best players around the country as well. And you're able to talk to them peer to peer as a colleague, but uh, you, you have had the, the moms on the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting into what it means to be immersed in the women's basketball culture at this time. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I wonder whether you think that knowing this so early, you know, I, I didn't you see Santa Cruz offer you when you were like 12, like you know, this has been like real early. Like, do you think that has helped you get to that point where there's an understanding of what it is to be 
a figure in the game so early? Yeah, I mean, um, UC Santa Cruz, I have no idea. I think that they were just kind of like telling my parents, hey, she always has one. Like, And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go to school literally down the street from me. But Stanford ended up being pretty close to that. Sure. But I think my mindset as in like understanding my basketball role and the platform that I have there, but also it's kind of, I feel responsibility to like the next generation to grow women's basketball in any way that I can grow my own platform, um, give my peers the space to do so just because of the respect that I have for them. Um, so sometimes I hope is really special. I don't think that there's any podcasts like it right now. Um, and so I get to talk to some of the best collegiate basketball players who happen to be some of my best friends. And so I feel like I get a different side of them that other podcasts may get or on our inter interviews may get just because of the respect that we have for one another, the friendship that we have, the trust that we have. And so we're able to talk about a variety of things. And then having my mom and having the Black Mama Network on was like my favorite episode, um, just because my mom and dad are really the, the people that like made me understand that I'm more than a basketball player. And so it's from them that I've been able to kind of keep that alive throughout my career and have that understanding. And it was part of the reason why I chose Stanford is because it's more than a basketball decision, right? And I've still been to two Final Fours. I won three Pac-12 championships. But at the same time, I'm also getting one of the best degrees you can get. I'm making connections. My professors are literally the people who invented the theories we're learning about. So like, it's kind of a, it's, un, it's unparalleled, uh, the experience that I'm getting. But that idea of having this duality of my personality is, is really special. I think it really just comes from my parents. I mean, the basketball has worked out okay, too. I think it's Yeah, good. pretty good. Pretty so, good. Yeah. There's the, this young up-and-coming coach, Tara Vanderveer, for those who may not be aware of her. I think she's, you know, on her way to doing big things. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, again, that balance, though, it's so interesting to me. You're doing a podcast. Stanford is not exactly an easy academic school either. And basketball to boot. What does your day look like? How do you, you know, how do you find not just the discipline, but the ability to schedule yourself in such a way that allows you to do all of these things? Um, I think it really comes from, I have a great team, like a great support system that works with me. My freshman through sophomore year, it, there wasn't an NIL space. So it was just school and basketball. So it was a lot easier. So, you know, which was still hard with the rigorous academic schedule. And Tar likes to practice for three hours. And then you have an hour of lift. You've got film. You've got treatment in the cold tubs. And then at some point, you got to get in the gym and get your extra shots up. All the take into account, going to the library, going to class, you know, hanging out with friends if you can. Like, there's a lot to do in the day. And so since NIL has come about, I signed with, you know, a marketing team, which has been, they've been amazing. And then my mom has taken on this momager role. And so we have a great dynamic and we have a master calendar that everything gets put on. And then they kind of go to my mom first talking about, okay, we want to schedule this for Haley. How does this work? Um, is she available? But it's also, you know, sometimes I may have availability on the calendar, but it's also them calling me and being like, hey, we've been doing a lot recently. Do you just want to take this time off? Mm -hmm. And then an off day can really truly be an off day because a lot of the time those off days become when I can schedule shoots. And so the one off day of the week, all of a sudden I'm on my feet for four hours doing a shoot. And so it's understanding some days, some weeks at work, some weeks it doesn't work. Some days I can hop on a call. Some days I need extra sleep before final, before a group project, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So it's really just having 
open lines of communication with my support system and them trusting me when I say I can do something, when I say I can't, there's never any pushback, there's never any force to do anything. Um, so I think really having that has been really great and that time management did not come easily. Oh my gosh, it was trial and error. It, there was failure with it and it happens. And I think coming from high school, you're expected you know, you have this certain persona of who you are and you're like, oh, I can do everything. I can pull up and write a five page paper an hour before class and still get an A plus. And now it's like, OK, I need to plan out, like still turn in that draft to the professors, do all this. It's it's trial and error. But I think just me being comfortable with my support system and then being tr comfortable with me and trusting me has been very helpful. And then you talked about that day off, that time off. What is that? What allows your mind, you know, I always think of it as like a knot loosening in my mm -hmm. mind when I get to do that. What what does that for you? The the day off is really great. I think at first it's kind of like, okay, well now I just want to do nothing all day. But in reality, that's not what I can do. There's still things to be done every day. And I think at first freshman and sophomore year, it's difficult to understand that like, on your day off, it doesn't need to be six hours in the gym. And like, you don't need to be comparing what you need to other players across the country and be like, oh, well, I know she's in the gym working. She's getting better. She's doing this and that. And some days I'm going to be in the gym almost every day. I'm in the gym doing my thing. But it's like some days I need to take a step away and I need to focus on other things in my life. I need to have a social life. Like maybe one day instead of being in the gym for two hours, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do a hard 45 minutes. And then I'm going to go get coffee with some friends because I need to debrief. We need to talk about whatever's going on in our life. I'm going to come back to my apartment, hang out with my roommate. I'm going to go try something new. But those off days, rest looks different every day for me. Um, some days it's me stretching. Some days it's me doing conditioning. It's without a ball. Some days my days off are me hanging around the apartment, cooking something new. Some days it's me in the library. Some days it's me going bowling. It's me going shopping. It's, it's, you know, it looks different every day. And I think that understanding that I don't need to compare myself to what other people's off days look like mm -hmm. has been, it's a process and it's still one that I deal with now. Um, and I think it's helped me a lot in terms of my mental being rested as well, because if I'm showing up to practice, I may be physically there, but if I'm not mentally prepared and locked in and focused, then I'm not doing anything for myself. Like nothing's really happening. The coaches, you know, but it's really my teammates. I'm not making my teammates better. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes, but it's really understanding what you need is, is what needs to be prioritized. No, it's huge. And it's so important to know that, at this point, too, as you are heading into a transition, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, uh, I do first want to let people know about uh, the new Locked On sponsor. And the new Locked On sponsor is Ibotta. Grocery, school shopping, and getting a little something for yourself. You can do all of it and get cash back with Ibotta. They're always throwing money at something, and you're able to get cash back, typical groceries that was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022. It's great to get cash back when you're able to do it. And Ibotta gives you that opportunity. Our listeners can get $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code word LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Player App Store. Use the code to get cash back everywhere from Lowe's to Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, 
and more. So when we think in terms of your immediate future, you've got this tournament coming up ahead. You've got the WNBA draft coming in mm-hmm. just a few weeks. And I know, you know, you've, you've made it clear that this is where you're headed. Obviously, teams are chomping at the bit to be able to get a chance to draft you and bring you in. I'm going to get a little nerdy, if you don't mind, with some of the specific statistical reasons as to why it's so interesting to think of you at the next level. But for you personally, I just thought it was interesting when we heard Caitlin Clark a few weeks ago talk about the fact that she thought about staying an extra year and, you know, um, sticking with, you know, there's the NIL money that allows you to do it. Have you ever like revisited it? Have you ever kind of gone back and forth in your mind about it? Because obviously, you know, you have such such a great fit with where you are right now. Take me through that process for you. Yeah, I think the addition of the COVID year is tempting in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot that college can bring, and it's different than what the professional world is like. It's, you know, the NIL money, that new space has created a lot of kind of do people want to go back? That's a really big option for them. It's getting an extra degree, which is really important for women's athletes. It's also like the community that you build, the fan base that you have. For me, I'm an hour away from my family and, you know, Caitlin's in Iowa where she's from. Like there's a lot of draws. Um, it's also like the teammates, right? You don't really have a sisterhood like you do at the next level and you don't have that support system that you do at the next level. Um so, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of different temptations and a lot of reasons to come back. For me, I've never really thought of taking my fifth year. Um, I think I'm just kind of prepared. I've done my four years. I've gotten my Stanford degree. Um, I'm about to be done, something I'm very proud of. Um, I've won a national championship. I'm planning to win another one this year. I've been to two Final Fours, right? Like, I've kind of done what I've set out to do. And so I feel like, for me, I I'm ready for the next level, right? Like, my chapter is closing, my time is up, and I'm ready for the next thing. Um, I think if I felt differently and I was like, okay, like unfinished business, I didn't do what I wanted to do, I I'm not, I don't feel prepared skill-wise, this and that, you know, there's obviously things I need to work on just with every player. And sure. um, I just feel like I'm I'm prepared mentally, physically, um, to go on to that next level. I mean, clearly, and, and and there's broad agreement on that, of course, across the league. I think the biggest thing for me, and, and I just keep coming back to this, is nobody does this. A defensive rebounding percentage north of 20% and your assist percentage is up to 24.6. You know, to have that combination of skills and bringing that to a WNBA team from day one, why do you think your game has evolved in that specific way? Because that really is, that's a shape that, quite frankly, we have not seen at the W level. Somebody outside of maybe Alyssa Thomas, who is rebounding at that level on the defensive end, but also distributing the way you are. And even AT, quite frankly, did not do that even at Maryland. That was something that came more once she got to the pros. Yeah, I think... Um... For me, my favorite space to play in is transition. And so it's quicker. The way I think about it um, is it's quicker if I'm the one who gets the rebound rather than waiting for an outlet. Right. And at my size, there's not a lot of people that do that, that are able to rebound and not have to outlet the ball. I think I'm one of the few players who get it and have the free reign to go. And 
Um, I think my decision-making has gotten better as I've gotten older, mm -hmm. um, having conversations with Tara about if there's five people back, I don't need to just push it and try to go one on five, but then that's the time for me to set up the offense. But if there's any type of advantage or I'm going full speed downhill, I get to go. And it's not always me taking a shot for myself. Sometimes I might take that free throw line pull up. Sometimes I'm getting to the rim. Sometimes I'm spinning. It's a reverse, but you know, the majority of the time it's me dropping it off to a big, it's me hitting the trail player. It's me kicking it out to the wing, finding open shots for my teammates. And that's what I love to do. I love to create opportunities for myself and mainly for others. Mm -hmm. And the best place to do that is in transition, in my opinion. And so getting the D board starts that whole process quicker. Um, so that's kind of the way that my mind thinks about it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I've got. Is, is the, the fact that the league has gotten faster and faster, even just since you were a freshman, mm -hmm. the WNBA is playing at, on balance, a faster pace. And the teams that are winning are disproportionately the ones who are playing at the fastest pace. Does that make the W feel like it's going to be a more comfortable home for you right away than even it might have when you got here? For sure. Um, I think that what is so enticing about the WNBA is one, the pace. I have so much fun playing with speed, pushing and going and playing with other players who can like do more than one thing that can play multiple positions. I think it's really fun for me since a lot of people have a hard time, like figuring out what position I play and me, myself, I like to think of myself as a point forward. Right. And so that's mainly one and four, but it also spans to one through four where somebody else gets in and goes, I'm running my lane. I'm filling it, kick it up to me. I'm coming off an on ball. I'm making the post entry. I'm cutting, I'm doing whatever. And so I think the W is very enticing for that reason in that I can slide into so many different positions and there's not very many people at my size kind of doing what I do, right? Like making the plays, making the, I think the big thing is like the passing and the vision that I bring at my size is yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's not, there's not really another player like it. And um, it's it's very exciting. Like you said, it's gotten faster over the years. And so I'm excited to come into that. And it's going to be an adjustment because it's probably a little faster than what I think college is, which is already pretty quick, especially at Stanford. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a learning curve, but it's one that I'm excited to take on. And just be clear, AT has never answered that question of what position she plays either. And she's been mm -hmm. in the league decades. So you don't need to have an answer for that one either. Mm -hmm. you, can play, you can play your game and be Haley Jones, what it comes down to. All mm -hmm. right. So here's the bigger question. Your summer comes up. You've got the lead. You've got year one here, but you don't have the Stanford academic piece anymore. What does it mean for the podcast, for, you know, your loyal listeners who have uh, become crazy loyal mm -hmm. overnight? And you see it, obviously, you see it in the way people are responding on social media as well. Does it continue? Or are you going to be able to take it town to town as you're playing professionally? You know, what are you thinking? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have an answer to quite yet. <laughs> still in the works, still trying to figure out those details. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's all I've got for you on that one. Understood. Well, before I let you go, and I want to talk a little bit about just the next step on the court as well, and mm -hmm. going back to a little bit more nerdiness, if you don't mind. Uh, but first, just do want to let people know about our other sponsor today, which is FanDuel. And FanDuel gives you the opportunity for something called a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's 
safe, secure, and easy to use. You can go get anything from spread to money line, player props on points, rebounds, assists. There's even this bet called the two by three. Can you get two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes? And then FanDuel lets you combine with something called a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, Haley, it's it's a thing. And again, I go back to, I remember that conversation with Alex Simon, like it was yesterday uh, about, you know, this special player who's coming. So I can't really get my mind around the fact that you're headed to the pros. I look forward to covering you there as well, as I'm sure it will for many years, but there are, I guess, that, that kind of next step that you're talking about. And I know a lot of people, when they discuss, you know, the evolution of your game, it's in terms of the three pointer. Mm-hmm. And so take me through, you know, kind of how you're thinking about it. Is, is the three where you wanted it to be by this point? Is there a way in which you kind of target that? Or do you have something else in mind entirely when it comes to sort of the next step for Haley Jones as a player? Yeah, um, I think that the three point shot is really like the next addition to add, I think. But in my to the public. Right. I think for me personally, it's nothing that I'm stressed out about. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm. I think that the percentages aren't, you know, great. Obviously, I'm not blind to that. But I think for me, um, my mid-range is good. It's where I want it to be. The pull-up is there. I think the elbow shot, the middies all around the court are comfortable to me. And the free throws are where they need them to be. And so I think that that's the base. And then from there, I'm building out to three. And I don't think that it's a matter of the way that my shot looks, the way that – you know, it feels, I think for me, it's more of a confidence thing. And I think that um, that's what I'm working on. It's really just letting it fly because the volume isn't even there, right? Like I'm out there, I second guess even taking it. And that happens with any shooter. If you're over here second guessing your shot, like then you're not taking it in rhythm. Then you're like, oh my gosh, do I even want to shoot it? And so I think for me, I'm not as stressed out about it as as many people like kind of make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just like, it's going to come with time and it's going to come with me just taking more and not getting caught up in like, oh my God, I missed or, oh my gosh, I can't shoot another one. Cause for me, it's kind of like if I take one in a game and I miss, I'm done. I'm not doing it again just because I get in my head about it. And so I think it's really just a confidence piece for me. Um, I get the reps up. They look great. They feel great. I work with my trainer. Like it's, it's all good there. And then it's just the confidence aspect for me. And I think it's also like, I don't take that very many because that's not really the role that I have at Stanford, right? Like I'm really playing around the high post. I'm mm-hmm. coming off on ball screens. I'm setting some, I'm pushing in transition. I'm making cuts to the rim. I play more in the mid range area. And so I'm really only taking threes at the end of the shot clock. And so I think it's, it's a mix of a lot of different things, but like you said, I'm not blind to that being the next aspect to add more so to my game as I move into the professional level. I think it's also really just like I have the capability to do so. I have the skill set to be more of a scorer, but like that's also not all that I bring to the table. And so, you know, it's still adding the three-point game without losing any other aspect of what makes me me. Um, like you kind of said earlier, like I'm different from a lot of different players in the, in the aspect of I rebound, I push it, 
I'm able to run the offense. I'm able to exploit any mismatch that I have. If I have a bigger defender on me, I'm pulling you out to the perimeter. I'm going to take you off the bounce, shoot a pull-up, get still get to the rim. If I have a small defender, all right, let's run a post-up play. I'm going to run the offense and I'll whip in from the top of the key or I'll come from the wing. Okay, you want to play pick and roll? Let's do it. There's so many different options. And I think I don't want to lose any of that, but it's definitely adding in that range for me. And once that confidence piece comes, I think I'll be just fine. I have no doubt about it. And again, it's going to be fascinating to see. You can't put comps, listeners, on Haley Jones. You just can't do it. That's not <laughs> Haley Jones is sui generis when it comes down to it. I, I just want to leave with this note and this question. You've been very clear in your mind about the ending of a chapter. And so I wonder what you have done to put yourself in that headspace of being able to, you know, you just had the last Pac-12 tournament of your mm -hmm. career. You're about to play in the last NCAA tournament of your career. Is there are, are there ways in which you're allowing yourself to think about those things? Are you taking a moment before the game? You know, what is that like? Mm -hmm. I think at the beginning of the year, it was kind of like, I don't want to go into every game saying, this is my last place playing at Portland. This is my last time playing this and this. This is my last. Oh, my gosh. Because if I enter every like opportunity with that, then I'm just going to be sad every game. And I'm like, I don't need that mindset for me. So it's definitely uh, a balance and understanding the weight of each each game really this year. Every game is a last in some sense, but that's not the mindset that I want to have going into it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think throughout the season, I've done a better job of shifting my mindset to be more one of appreciation rather than one of loss. And so that has really allowed me to enter each game. Like, this is my last one. Like, I'm so excited. This is my last game in this space with these people. Like, I'm so thankful for this opportunity. I'm so thankful for the four years that I've had while also coupling that with like, okay, it's your last one. You may as well win, like get out there and make it happen. Right. And so as I entered the Pac-12 tournament, it obviously was an outcome that I wanted, but I was grateful for the experience. I'm happy that we won the first game. And I think losing to UCLA and dropping that one, it's heartbreaking, but it's also, that's not the end of our season. Now we're in the NCAA tournament. Now it's one and done. Um, there's a sense of urgency that comes with it. And losing to UCLA, all we did was get better. I think that we came back, we had a team meeting. We talked about our goals. We talked about what we need to do to make those things happen because they're attainable. Winning a national championship is doable. When going to a final four is doable. And I think that we have the right people to do it. And it's really just a mindset change of being more aggressive. It's having a sense of urgency from the jump and not in the end of the fourth quarter when teams make their run. Um, it's really shutting the game down in the first five minutes. And so I think that, you know, it's my last tournament. It's my last go round. And I think there's one way to go out and that's on top. And so that's what I'm going to make happen um, in my eyes in a conversation with the team. That's what we all want. So um, I'm kind of entering it with like, you know, this is my last time with Snapchat across my chest. This is my last time in that locker room with these group of girls. It's never going to be the same. So I want to make it the best ending that it can be. Well, and two final fours already. One more still to come, it sounds like. Sounds mm -hmm. like I'll be seeing you in Dallas in a couple of weeks. Thank you to our listeners. And we'll be back with you tomorrow with Lynn Roberts of Utah. A very Pac-12 heavy week over here at Locked on Women's Basketball. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Make sure you're listening to Sometimes I Hoop. 
make sure you do it. It is indispensable. And I love what you're bringing to our space as well, Haley. I just need to figure out a way to play basketball as well as you do just to even things out. But until then, I am Howard Magdal, wishing all of you a wonderful day. Ogumbawale for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.